0: Good to see everybody tonight. If you would, take your Bibles and open them to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 is where our first passage will come from. It would not be right if I didn't take just a second to tell y'all that I really appreciate all the prayers and all the things that have been said. Because God listened to somebody, and a lot of those somebodies were y'all, and I appreciate that. That being said, this is the first time I've preached in several months, so you're going to get what you get tonight. Jeremy asked me, did I have a title to this sermon? It's Don't Tell Karen This, but she's probably watching. But anyway, uh, When we got married, she was surprised that I didn't put titles on my sermons. She said, you got to have titles. I said, no, you don't. (laughs) But she taught me to get titles for my sermon. So Jeremy just asked me, what's the title of your sermon? And I had a very sophisticated one. It is, what do you do when life gets all messed up? Or what do you do when life doesn't go the way you thought it would go? Or what do you do when life makes you say, what in the world is going on here? And the Bible has the answers to that. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse six, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let me suggest to you, you need to have those two verses memorized. There are three kinds of people. And in this audience, probably all three exist. First category is people who need this lesson tonight because life is messed up for some reason or another. Second category is people who remember when life was messed up and they needed this. And I don't want to hurt your feelings. If your life is really, really good and you just don't know what I'm talking about, it's coming because that's why, the way life is. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse five, verses 5 and 6 are a good reminder to us of where our mind and where our heart needs to be. Trust in the Lord. you got to think about God. And you have to trust God. You have to trust God. God's the one ruling over all. He's the the Lord of nations, the King of nations. God is the one overseeing everything. You've got to trust him. And you've got to do it with all your heart. Listen, if you don't have it for real, life's going to knock what you do have out of you. You've got to trust the Lord with all your heart that he knows what he's doing. And when you do that and you... See what's going on around you or to you or about you, you're not going to figure it all out. You're not going to understand it all. You're not going to have an answer to why and how did this happen and why is it happening? How is it going to come out? You're not going to have answers to that. You're not going to understand it. And so the very next phrase in that verse says, and don't lean on your own understanding. You lean on God's understanding because God doesn't understand and God does know what's going on. He may not tell us, but he's got it. So what do I do then in that situation? Well, verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him. You turn to God. You acknowledge him as God the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the all-wise God. You acknowledge him and his place in your life as God. And you let him direct your paths. That's what the Bible's about. The Bible tells us how to live, tells us how to walk, tells us what to do, what not to do and And I need to listen to him, even back in verse five, when I don't understand why he's telling me to to go that way. I need to lean on his understanding and do what he tells me to do. okay there's a passage in the New Testament, second Corinthians chapter five that doesn't have as many words in it, but it's basically telling us the same thing when it talks about Christians and 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. I walk, I do what I do. I live my life the way I live my life because I believe in God. Not just that there is God, but I believe in God. I believe He's a good God. And he's worth following. He's worth listening to. He knows more than I know. He understands more than I understand. And so I don't I don't make my decisions. I don't walk or live my life based on what I see going on around me or what's happening to me that that might lead me a different direction. I I walk by faith, by listening to God and believing God knows what he's talking about. He's going to tell me the best thing, and so I'm going to do that. I walk by faith and not by sight. Even though I don't see it with these eyes, God tells me about it, and I hear him and I listen to him. Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, there in verse 6. And I'm not able to get real profound and deep with a lot of verses, but I want you to dig just maybe one level lower than what we usually do with this. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. If we just read that verse to begin with, it kind of sounds like that if God looks in our heart and sees faith, then he's happy with us. And that's kind of as deep as it goes. But that's not really the idea here. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If I don't have faith, I can't be pleasing to God. And he tells you what kind of faith you have to have. For he that comes to God must believe two things. Number one, that he is... That God is God and all the things we just talked about, the character and qualities of God being God. And the second thing, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I've got to believe God is God and I've got to believe that he's a good God. That he is a rewarder to those who will follow him and seek him. Now, how does that fit together? Because that's that's more than just acknowledging that there is a God. Well, here's the, the point of that. In order for me to be pleasing to God, remember when Jesus said, I always do those things that please him, talking about the Father? He's talking about the works that he did. He's talking about what he did was pleasing to God. Well, we have to do things to be pleasing to God. And sometimes those things are fairly easy, and sometimes they're really not easy. They're really hard, because I don't understand it. I don't get it. And if I don't have a belief in God that he is the overruling God... And that he's good to me if I just listen to him. If I don't believe that, I'm not going to do those. I'm not going to be able to get myself to do the things that are pleasing to God if I don't have that kind of faith. And so I have to trust and believe that God is and that he is a good God and he is a rewarder to those who will listen to him. But like I said... It's not easy to walk by faith sometimes. It's not easy to walk by what God says. What, I mean, what do I do when, and a lot of times, we'll, we'll know what the Bible says we're supposed to do, but then here come these questions. Well, why that? Or what about if this happens? Or what about how's that going to turn out? I need to know how it's going to turn out before I do that. And, and you don't have answers to those questions. You have to enter into it without the answers to the questions. And you have to be able to set those questions aside and just go forward. You remember Proverbs 3? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. He's going to direct you the way you need. He's going to point you a direction, and you're supposed to go forward that direction without knowing all the answers along the way. I want you to turn back with me to Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, you know, the children of God, whether it was the patriarchs or the children of Israel or Christians today, the reason the Bible is so relevant is because you see the same thing over and over again. People are people. In Exodus chapter 14, you have the children of Israel coming out of Egypt And I want to begin reading in in verse 1. We'll read a little bit of this. It says, "...and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before uh, Peahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Zephon, and before it ye shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in." And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, and that that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So he pointed them a direction when they left Egypt and they, they went forward that way. But what God led them to was to be trapped between the land and the sea. And Pharaoh sees this. And he decides he's going to show these Israelites a thing or two. Why did we let them go? Later on, he asks the question, why did I even let them go? But I want you to notice out of these verses we just read that God in verse 4 says, I will be honored upon Pharaoh. And I will show them that I am the Lord. In other words, God had something going on. God had something going on. God had a plan. God had a point he was trying to make. And he's going to do it with the Egypt, to the Egyptians using the children of Israel. So to use the children of Israel, he's going to go get them trapped where the, the, the Egyptian army's coming, and they can see them coming, and they get afraid of that. They're very scared for good reason because they don't know what God has going on. And you come down to verse 10, it says, When Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, no place to bury us there, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? "...wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness." And Moses said to the people, "...fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today." For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and you will hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you, and you'll quit saying this stuff. You'll quit questioning God. You'll quit challenging God. You will hold your peace. And sometimes things are a little, little... Humorous in the Bible because verse 15 says, "The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me?" It kind of sounds like Moses turned around and started questioning directly to God, doesn't it? That you know the people are crying out to Moses, but the next thing God says to Moses, "What are you? What are you crying out to me for?" Moses <laughs> had a few questions too. And what I want you to do is maybe get a picture of that. God's got everything set up to show the Egyptians and he turns around all of a sudden and the children of Israel are gripping at him and about him. He's like, what are y'all doing? I've got something going on here. Just trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he tells Moses, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Okay, we'll go forward, but there's this little thing called the Red Sea in front of us. But you know what God's word was? You tell them to go forward. Well, where are the boats? How are we going to get by the Red Sea? There's no answer to that. Not then. You just tell them to go forward. we know the rest of the story. God took care of it, didn't he? And what I want to say to you is this is the answer for God's people in any day and time. Just go forward. That path that God is pointing out to us and it's not it's not some intuition, it's not some feeling that we have. It is this. Because in practical terms what we're talking about is what kind of people we're going to be, how we're going to live our lives, what's right and what's wrong, what I need to do, what I need to stay away from. You see, all those rules that he gives us, and advice and guidance and commandments about how we're supposed to live our life, you just go forward. But what about, doesn't matter, you just go forward. Well, what's going to happen? It doesn't matter. Just go forward. There's all kinds of passages in the Bible. Turn over to Titus chapter 2. In Titus chapter 2, where it talks about really a, kind of an overall view of what a Christian's supposed to be about in this world. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously in godliness present world. That's your go forward. Well, what about what about nothing? Go forward. That's what God says to do. And then he says, while you're doing that, you should be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of a great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Talks later that we we're supposed to be a people zealous of good works. A lot of good works out there, and part of them are just going forward. Doing what God tells us to do when we understand and when we don't understand. When we don't know why. The valley of the shadow of death is right there all around me, and I need to keep going forward. Because that's what God wants out of his people. He wants a people who will just go forward no matter what. And there are many things in this life that can be a test of whether we'll do that or not. Sometimes there are great big things in our life. And sometimes they are just little things, relatively speaking, but they are things that I don't like, things that that's not the way I want it to be. I want it to be different. No matter what God says, I want it to be different. And the words of God still come back. Tell my people to just go forward. I've got it. I've got the rest of it. Just I just need you to go forward. And when those doubts those questions come up that we don't have answers to. Listen, it's a test of your faith. Now, that's a phrase we use, and it's kind of generic. But think about the words. It's a test of our faith. You know, the faith that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding. That's the kind of faith. It tests whether you do that or not. The one in Hebrews 11 that said, you got to believe that he is and he's good to you. No matter what, whatever he tells you is going to be good for you, it's a test of whether you really believe that about God or not. And the Bible says we're all going to go through that. And and I'm going to take this the right way, but I'm going to say questioning is not wrong. I mean, how do you make your mind not question something? How do you make your mind... Have that never pop into your mind. You can't do that. But you can decide whether you go forward or not. You can decide what you do with that. And nobody's going to make you trust God like that. Nobody's going to make you have that kind of faith. You have to decide, I believe God. I decide I trust God. All the evidence I have is that there is a God and He's good. And I decide to believe that, so I'm going to go forward with that. Turn over to the book of Hebrews. Actually, find Hebrews 11, but we're not going to start. I want you to find Hebrews 11 and then go to James 2. Okay, you can just kind of mark Hebrews 11. And then go to James 2. Now, there are a lot of discussions going on nowadays about faith and works. We've got some Calvinism stuff coming up, all this kind of thing's happening. And the idea kind of is out there that faith and works are opposed to one another. Somehow or another, conflict. It's either got to be by faith or it's got to be by works, and those two just don't mix together. And what I'm going to say to you is that is exactly wrong. Not only do they not conflict with one another, they perfectly go together in the Bible, okay? Now I'm going to read this passage to you, and we'll talk about that, and then we're going to go to Hebrews 11, and I'm going to show you what James says in Hebrews 11, okay? In James chapter 2, Beginning with verse 17, it says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. If it doesn't have works, it's dead faith. Let me just ask you, does something sounding like dead faith, you think that kind of faith is going to get you to heaven? That doesn't even sound right, does it? Faith without works is dead being alone. So what that tells you is that you don't have to be a scholar to see that Faith is not supposed to be alone. It's supposed to have something with it. He says, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And listen to this, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And I'm going to tell you, last few years in the Lord's church, you kind of get in trouble for saying something like that with some people. Because you're teaching works. Well, amen, we're teaching works. The Bible teaches works. It teaches faith. It teaches both, and it teaches both together. They work hand in hand. I'll show you my faith by my works. That doesn't mean I deserve to go to heaven. Doesn't mean I earned it. It just means I'm doing what God tells me to do to get to heaven. Okay? Okay? You read on. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Guess who else believes that? The devil, the demons. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Don't you just know that's a dead faith? Dead faith's not going to get you to heaven. You don't have to be shy about works. You need to be shy about works only. You need to be shy about getting a big head because you did some works for God and thinking, oh, God owes you something because he doesn't because... Your works will never match His grace. But works are part of it. God demands that from us. Okay, now turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, now follow what I was just talking about. And what do we know Hebrews 11 as? The chapter of faith, Right? The chapter of Hebrew. everybody knows. We know John three sixteen and we know Hebrews 11, don't we? The chapter of faith. Guess what the chapter of faith is? Guess what it's full of? Stories of works of people of faith. Now, I want you to just think about that for a minute. The chapter of faith, it is, is a chapter that tells the stories of the works of God's children. How can that be? Well, it's because they go together. Those two things have to be together to have a living faith that will get you to heaven. And, and I just want you to notice a couple of verses. Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders retain obtained a good report. Okay, The elders are these people mentioned in Hebrews 11, ancient people of God. And Hebrews 11 says what they did, their works, because of the faith that they had. They showed their faith by their works in the language of James. Now get away from the works faith thing, and I just want you to see verse 2 where it says, they got a good report. Think of report card like in school. They got a good report card. Well, who was filling it out? God was. They got a good report card from God. In verse 29, uh, one of those those situations in verse 29 was when the Israelites went forward and they crossed the Red Sea at the direction of God, not really knowing what was going to happen with all of that. They got a good report card from God because they did what God said to do even when they didn't know all the answers to everything. And you come down to verse 39 and it says, And these all having attained a good report through faith. But was it faith alone? No, it was faith that moved them to do what God told them to do, the works. And it is the same faith that they had when when God told them to go forward. And it's the same kind of faith that we have to have when life gets messed up, but we know where forward is because we know what God says in his word. And we have to go forward, even though maybe we don't see it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but, you know, that's my understanding. And God's already told me, "Don't, don't lean on your understanding, okay? Lean on mine. I got it. And that's what we have to do in life sometimes. You know, in this passage, beginning in verse 30, read with me. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the heart of Rahab perished not with them that it believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? Who else can I tell you about? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of the fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, people who would stand. They waxed valiant in the fight, and they had a fight. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And listen to the rest of this. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. I want you to go back to verse 35 little phrase there, we kind of skip over, and I did it when I was reading it on purpose. That little little phrase there says, not accepting deliverance. If you mark in your Bible, please underline that so you'll see it next time you go there. Not accepting deliverance. What that means is that all this getting sawn into and getting your head cut off and getting scourged and all these things that were happening to them, it didn't have to happen. They could have gotten out of it. They were offered deliverance. They just didn't accept it. They were offered a way out. They just said, no, I'm not taking that way out. What kind of faith does it take to not know why I'm fixing to get cut half in two or get my head cut off? What does God have going on here? I do not have the answer to that. How is that going to be any good at all for the kingdom of God? I do not have the answer to that. But my God's a good God. And if that's what he has going on for what he has going on, You're just going to have to cut my head off. Because I'm not giving up my God. I'm not denouncing my Lord just because of this. It was offered to them and they said no. Now you going to talk about life being messed up. That's pretty messed up right there when you're in that situation. But they had the kind of faith to just go forward, even when they didn't understand. And let me point out one little thing to you that's really a big thing. Look over in the book of Romans in chapter 8. And that is what we have to see with the eyes of faith, because we're not going to see him physically. And that is in any kind of situation like that in your life, when you just know what you're supposed to do, so you just do it. You just go forward. You don't go alone. The Lord's going to go forward with you. Remember the one in Hebrew says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, I'll never turn my back on you. In Romans 8, verse 31, he says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who who can be against us? They're not going to win. I'm going to win. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And who shall lay anything to the charge of God as elect? It is God who justifies, not them. And who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, you know how life goes with us sometimes. For for I for say we are killed all the day. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That sounds like things going bad, doesn't it? Not good. It sounds like things going bad. And yet at verse 37, the Apostle Paul says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You go forward. Whatever going forward is that God says, you will be a conqueror no matter what they do here. That means you won I don't know about y'all, but I like to win. Dear least guys, we all like to win. (laughs) One thing my daddy taught us that we always understood, remember that he used to say, listen, you don't cheat, because winning's not everything. But I'm going to tell you son, losing ain't nothing. (laughs) We like to win. And what greater thing to win at than to win at life. Because you had that kind of faith of God that you just went forward no matter what horrible thing life was throwing at you. And you went forward all the way to the end of that road, which is a mansion in heaven. Remember, our job is not really to have to figure it all out in life. Our job's to go forward. To listen to God and just go forward. And so I would encourage you tonight, if you're not a Christian, you need to go forward. You need to get started on that path. Because if you'll let him, Jesus will get you to heaven. What he said was, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. You've done that, and you have gotten off the path, and you're not living right now. You need a renewal just as much as that other person, a renewal of your spirit, a renewal of your faith, and I would encourage you to make up your mind that you want to get back doing what God wants you to do so that you can have a home and have half. If we can help you do that. Come and let us know. All together we stand and while we sing.